good. I'm serious. Um, that song has so much depth to it, so much simplicity, but so much depth, depth um, to actually trust the Lord uh, in every season. Amen? Okay, just start saying amen so I don't have to ask you to say amen, all right? Let's, let's do a practice round. Turn to your neighbor and say amen. Turn to your neighbor and say, another neighbor and say amen. And uh, I appreciate that. See, now we're warmed up. Good to go. All right. Okay, so if you're taking notes, uh, this message is called Stay Salty. And uh, this is for all the salty people out there. This is the one time you can be salty. And it's going to be good. And I've been stewing on this for, um, I've been in Luke. Actually, I was, my son had dental surgery and um, he had to get put under. Anyone had their kid put under at like five years old? Kind of, kind of a little bit scary, even though you know it's going to be fine. It happens all the time. But then they start telling you all the risks and stuff. Um, it's amazing how much anxiety can come out when you have kids because um, you realize you're not in control, like at all. And you have to give it to the Lord. Um, anyway, I feel like crying. I don't know why. Anyway, so I'm reading Luke 14. I've just been sitting in Luke 14. It's just so good because I'm going to preach out of it um, this morning and tonight, uh, but two different things. But we're going to start in Luke 14, verse 12. If you've got your Bibles, praise God for you. Uh, if you don't, it'll come up on the screen. Uh, Luke 14, 12. He said to the man who invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Uh, just so everyone knows, that's why you haven't been invited to my house. Because <laughs> you're either rich or you're my friend. I know, I'm joking, sorry. Uh, or relatives or rich neighbors, lest you also invite you in return and you be repaid. Amazing how Scripture just speaks so clearly that our motive is never to get something in return. Hope you realize that, that everything we do, even our community days, and, and if you're serving or volunteering or you're doing a good work, uh, it is never for to, to receive back from that person. That's why the Bible is so clear on doing it to people who you know can't repay you because then your reward is in heaven. So if you're just giving shout outs to people who are going to give you shout outs and just being nice to people who you know are going to be nice to you back, kind of missing the point of what it means to actually love people. You got that out of one verse? Yeah, I got that out of one verse. Like I said, I've been reading it a lot. Um, You'll be blessed because you can, he cannot repay you. For you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the just. When one of those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servants to say to those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said to him, I have brought a field and I must go out and see it. Please have me excused. How many are just excited about the message today? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> First said, I've brought a field, I've brought a section in Hanley's, and I must go and see it. <laughs> Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So the servant, ca- you right, Fabi? <laughs> you, that, one, that one hit you? You good with that one? <laughs> Please have me excused. Another said, I've married a wife, therefore I cannot come. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house became angry and said to his servants, go out quickly to the streets and the lanes of Queenstown. Bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. And the servant said, sir, what you have commanded has been done and still there is room. And the master said to the servant, go out to the highways, the nations, the hedges, bluff. <laughs> Hamilton. The furthest. <laughs> Unreachables. Compel people to come in that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of these men who are invited shall taste my banquet. Now great crowds accompanied him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father 
and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters. Yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Anyone read this scripture in 2022? Amazing, eh? That word hate there doesn't actually mean hate. God tells us to love people. God tells us to love our wives like he loves the church. He tells us to love our family and love our enemies. So that word there, hate there, if you actually look it up, it actually means to love less. To love less, as in Jesus, the master, is my number one. He's my one thing. He is he's holy. He's, he's everything. He's my, he's my first love. He's my greatest love. And everything else has to be less than my love for him. The great thing about the Lord is that if you actually love the Lord with all your heart, it will actually make you a better husband, father, brother. It does. You can't love the Lord with all your heart and be in a relationship with God and be less, less of a good father, less of a, there is, a, there is a, an effect that happens when we seek first Him, all these other things are added to us. So when we love the Lord with all our heart, it actually makes us better in all those other areas. I have, I have to explain that because there's been a generation that is, that is, that is uh, put ministry first, not God first, ministry first, and has not been a good father or a good husband and has sacrificed family for ministry, not sacrificing family or hating family for the Lord's sake, but because they were building their, their life, their value, their identity on ministry or career or money and sacrificed their family. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about loving the Lord with all of your heart. Amen? Come on, I'm telling you, it's the truth. If you give everything to Jesus, He'll make you a better person. I'm, I'm convinced of it. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Who wants to be a disciple? Come on. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost. This is very topical with the price of jib and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> count the cost. Can we actually build this house? Is there materials? Sorry. Uh, count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it will mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. I pray when you made a decision for Jesus that you counted the cost, then can I actually live this for the long haul? Am I fully in? Like day one, am I, am I all in? Because if you're not, the foundation gets laid and it's, it's not able to be finished because we, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Christianity is not about just getting saved. It's about continuing to be saved. And I'm gonna tell you right now, it's not the church's responsibility to keep you saved. Really? Yes. I, hey, okay. Are you glad I'm back? Nope, Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to Christians today, okay? Just this message is for believers. These, this is for people who, who, who call themselves disciples. I wanna be so upfront and honest with you today. And I, have, I, I believe I have the God-given grace and authority because I was, my wife and I are called to be the pastors here, so I have to be responsible for you. I have to be responsible for what I preach, okay? So I'm just gonna preach and then I can go home and be like, God, I did it, Okay? <laughs> And so if you don't know the Lord yet, you're gonna know him and you're gonna taste his goodness and grace. And if you do know the Lord, you're gonna taste his goodness and grace, but I just have to be upfront and honest with you today, okay? Uh, for which of you designed a building tower does not sit down and count the cost whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he's laid the foundation, not able to finish, uh, all will see and mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. 
Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he has able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? If not, why, while, there is a, 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 while the other is yet a great while off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. This is why we sing, he's worthy of it all. Salt is good, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is of no use either for the soil or for the manure pile. It is thrown away. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. You might think the salt part on the end of this um, passage of Scripture seems quite random, but it's not random at all. Uh, Google research will tell you that pure salt can never lose its saltiness. Let me say that again. Pure salt, salt, just salt by itself can never lose its saltiness. The only way salt can lose its saltiness is by being diluted or having something added to it. So table salt has iodine added to it, which actually gives it expiry date. That's why salt has an expiry date. But pure salt never loses its saltiness. You say, well, that's great, Corey. Well, that gives context to what we just read. Every person was invited to the banquet, but every person had an excuse or an additive to being salt. I'd like to come, but I'm getting married. I'd, li- I'd like to be salty, but I've got these other things going on. I'm, I'm adding to, I'm adding to my love for Jesus. I've got a this is, oh, I'm just going to be straight up today. This is where this Western balance thing comes in that really annoys me, that we think we have to be balanced when it comes to Jesus, family, church. Stop it. It's Jesus is everything. Jesus is everything, and in Jesus, there's family and church and your job and whatever else. There is no, there is no baking mix to try and get a balance of what a Christian looks like. There is no balance when you have to renounce everything. (laughs) All right. There is no balance when you have to renounce everything. When Jesus says you've got to count the cost, you've got to follow after me, you've you've got to hate everything else or love less everything else, there is no balance in that. There is no portions in that. It is fully Jesus. Come on, somebody. Like even the whole love and truth thing is so weird to me. It's such a foreign concept because God is love and love tells the truth. Love and truth, I hear people go around and say, well, should I show them love or should I show them truth? Why do you think that they're two separate things? Why do you think that you've got to be 50-50? Like I'm going to give you love and I'm going to give you truth. No, you give them truth and love and it's one thing. It's, it's whole. Jesus is not split up into different compartments. He is truth and he is love. And he's one. Those things are not in competition. Jesus isn't like, I'm going to tell the truth today, or no, I'm going to love today. <laughs> this whole concept, this Western concept of balance, it doesn't work in the gospel. What it actually does is dilutes and adds to the salt, and then we wonder why we're no longer salty. Hence the title of the message today, Stay Salty, because pure salt never loses its flavor. One Amen. I want to be salty. I'm going to throw it out there. I want to be salty. I don't, I don't want to be so diluted in the culture that I live in. 
I don't want to be, I don't want to be compromising in the world that I live in that when people experience me, they taste nothing. And unfortunately, the, the state of the Western church is just that. There is no difference. There is no saltiness. Now, not everyone likes salt, but you know salt's there. Not everyone likes salt, but you know salt is there. Salt actually stops things from rotting. It preserves. Salt actually enhances and brings out flavor. So salt's not just about being a preservative. Salt's actually about bringing out in the culture what God has placed there. It's bringing out of people what God has placed in them, their gifting, their calling, who they are, who their true identity is. It's, that, that's what salt does. Jesus says, you're the salt of the world. But if salt loses its flavor, what good is it? He also goes on to say, well, what's good's a light if you put it under a basket? The whole point of a light is that it shines on people. So why would you cover it? What's the point of being salt if you're not salty? Come on, somebody. But we are, we are, adding, we are, putting, we are adding things from our culture into the gospel. We are adding things into our own lives because I don't want anyone in this room looking at someone else saying, you're not salty. No, look at yourself. Look at your own saltiness this morning. This is, not a, this is not a message to measure up everyone else in the room. This is for us to look at ourselves and say, am I still salty? Or have I begun to add things to my life that has actually diluted my saltiness? I believe it's the, it's the answer to our great apathy. I believe it's the answer to our lack of power and authority and influence. Because we are so diluted, it has no effect. Like there's just some biblical foundational things about gender and sexuality that you can't change just because of culture and call it love because you, what happened was you just, you, you're not even salty anymore, so no one even cares. You have no effect. You lost your saltiness. There should be some kind of reaction, good or bad, when you show up and open your mouth. Why? Because I believe the gospel because I'm salty, and you'll know when I show up. Come on, somebody. I don't, the, the only way I can explain this is, how many remember Raro? Not Rarotonga, Raro. I know, we all want to remember Rarotonga. I haven't been there, so I can't remember it. I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the powdered juice. Does anyone remember that? Come on. So I know, I'm, I know I'm talking to the choir right now, but so hopefully my mum never listens to this. Um, when I was a kid and grew up, we, we didn't have a lot of money, and my mum used to make this stuff called, we, we called it woos. Um, it was raro, uh, but we didn't get to do the ratios like the packet said. Uh, I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but um, woos, is, woos is because it's, we call it woos because it's just water that looks a different color. So we're like, do you want some woos? Because it's not juice. <laughs> why, is it, why is it not juice? Because it's so diluted. Like, it's meant to make one liter, a packet, and we had about four liters in one packet, and it stirred up, and it was slightly discovered, but it didn't taste like anything. It had no effect. You might as well just drink water. But <laughs> I think it's because my parents loved us and didn't want us to be drinking sugar, right? I, I, maybe in hindsight I can see that, but that doesn't work well for the story. Uh, <laughs> but it was so diluted, it had no effect. And so my, my question to you this morning is have you experienced the gospel for what it is? Have you, have you encountered the salt? And the salt Jesus talks about is the renouncing of all and him being everything. Because a lot of us aren't, 
aren't ex- we're, we're experiencing woos. And then we wonder why there's no transformation. Why is there no change? Why, why is everyone just the same now, but now they come to church instead of going to the pub? Why, why is my, my character not changing? Why, why, am I not, why are the gifts of the Spirit not, not evident in my life? Why, why am I just the same as everyone else, but I just have a different location I go to on Sunday? And a lot of us have got to start asking the questions, no, it's not because of your church. All my keyboard warriors out there, they want to rant on about preaching the real gospel. You've got a Bible. You've got Scripture. You can't get to heaven and say, well, the pastor didn't do it. No, 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 no. (laughs) You have access to a Bible. You have access to Scripture. You have access to God Himself. So this is, not a, this is not a pointing out who's preaching the real gospel. This is your personal responsibility this morning. Have you heard the gospel? When we just read that scripture in Luke 14, do you look at your own life and say, have I renounced all? Or have I just accepted God in one area of my life and the rest of it is all mine? And then I wonder why I'm getting woos. Because the thing about woos, it looks like juice till you taste it. The thing about salt, looks like salt, even though it's lost its flavor, still looks like salt. And then we're confused because nothing changed. Everything was surface level. Well, I want to ask you, have you experienced the gospel? Have you, have you did what, what Jesus just said? Hey, come on, when you're invited, don't give excuses. Don't compromise. Don't miss out on the invitation. Make yourself available. Come on, let them make you salty. And not just start salty, but stay salty. Because a lot of us go through life and we allow life to preach to us. And all of a sudden, we're not as salty as we were. And if I want to use another Christian term, we'll say, oh, that person used to be on fire and now they're not. Well, what happened? Well, it was the church's fault, of course. No, it wasn't. You're responsible to steward your heart before the Lord. You're responsible to steward your heart to the Lord. You're responsible to stay salty. And so how do I stay salty? I keep the gospel for what it is. I keep the word of God for what it is. I don't say, okay, well, that doesn't apply anymore because we're in 2022. (laughs) I'm gonna tell you right now, there's nothing wrong with biblical foundations. The only thing we've done wrong in the past is our application of it. The truth has never changed. Sometimes our application and our interpretation of Scripture has done some damage. But the truth of the Word of God has never changed. Amen. Jesus is still the way. Come on, Jesus is still the way. Like, if you can have all your eggs in one basket and that basket's Jesus, you're in a good place. Balance would tell you to put your eggs in a few different baskets in case that basket doesn't work out. Christianity says, no, put all your eggs in Jesus' basket because that's the only way it's gonna work. Can you see this vicious cycle that happens when when we don't fully give ourselves to Jesus, then we preach a gospel that's not fully Jesus, and then we live a life that's not fully Jesus, and we wonder why no one wants to taste. I wanna be part of a salty community. Come on, you can amen to that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 5, 6 to 7. Is it on the screen? Boasting, 
over your tolerance of sin is love. <laughs> Boasting over your tolerance of sin is inappropriate. Isn't that amazing? If anyone knows me, you understand I, I, I'm all about the gospel. I, I know that God forgives us, cleanses us, washes us. What I don't agree with at all is Christians saying it's okay to sin. I don't agree with that whatsoever. I don't think it's appropriate. Well, yes, we can say God still loves us. Of course he does. He's never gonna stop loving us, but that doesn't mean it's right. It doesn't mean it's right. What does God say? God says, God says if, you, if you love me, you obey my commands. What does that mean? Well, that's love and truth. If you obey the truth of who Jesus is, you'll remain in my love. What does that mean? Does that mean if I don't do what God says, you'll stop loving me? No. When I obey the truth, I stay in God's love. When I obey a lie, I leave God's love. I leave God's love. I leave God's love. I sin, I run away. God doesn't look at me and say, I can't love you anymore. I sin, I get a guilty conscience, I leave. So if, so what truth and love is saying is, if you love me, obey my commands so you won't get a guilty conscience and run away from me because I love you. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Boasting over your tolerance of sin is inappropriate. Don't you understand that even a, even a small compromise, guys, even a small additive to the salt it's now losing its flavor. Even a small dilution to the salt, it is no longer going to be salty. Even a small compromise with sin permeates the entire fellowship, just as a little leaven permeates a batch of dough. So remove, guys, here, remove, 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 remove every additive. Remove every compromise. Remove every area of your life that you have now taken for yourself. Remove every lie. Remove every thought that this word is not true. Remove every compromise that we have made in the word of God because of culture. Because I'm scared of what people will say or think. Well, our job is to remain salty. If the church starts compromising, there's no salt. If there's no salt, there's no flavor. If there's no salt, there's no preservation. Preservation. Got it. Does this make sense to anyone? Come on. So remove every trace of living or compromise with sin so that you might become what? New and what? Pure. Is that not what we're talking about this morning? Remove every trace of compromise. Remove every excuse. My land, my marriage, my kids. Remove the excuse that I can't be everything and give God everything because of all these other things in my life. Remove the fear of man. Remove the compromise that, no, that's okay. No, it's not okay. Scripturally, it's sin. It's not okay. Does God still love you? Yes. Is His grace available? Yes. Is it okay? No. The church has gone so far to boast about the tolerance of sin. 
No, we're just going to tolerate. No, we're not going to tolerate sin. I love you too much to just say to you, tolerate, tolerate, just tolerate. No, we will speak truth. Why? Because God loves you. We love you. Where's it going to end up? It's going to end up in chaos. So what does love do? Love says, I love you too much to say nothing. If my kid's about to shove a blinging fork in a power socket, you best believe I'm going to say something. No, I'm not going to tolerate that behavior. You're going to get shocked. I'm not going to tolerate sin and call it love and compassion. Come on, even the lady caught in adultery, like with the scripture we all love to use, he says, go and sin no more. (laughs) Why? Because he loves her. Come on, church. For indeed, sorry, let's go back. So remove every trace of your leaven of compromise with sin so that you might become what? New. I, I want to be a new creation. I, I, I don't want Jesus to cleanse me, make me new, and then I go back to everything that I was doing before and not be new again. And then God comes along and makes me salty, and I'm like, I'm going to add this, add this, add this, add this, add this, add this, and all of a sudden I'm no longer salty because I'm so diluted by everything else in the world. Oh. I love the gospel. Do you know Christianity only works if you're extreme? (laughs) Did you know that? I know no one wants to hear this. No, I'm going to stop saying that. There are people in here that want to hear this. And I believe we are a church that wants to hear it. You can't be a Christian and not be extreme. You have to give all to Jesus. And the day that we actually believe that and do that is the day that we become the salt of Queenston. The day that we believe that is the day that you become the salt in your family, the salt in your workplace, the salt in the nations. Pure salt. What is pure salt? Are we talking about a perfection message? No, no, no. We're talking about a wholehearted message. We're talking about a full surrender to Jesus. We're talking about the kind of Christianity that was intended, the kind of Christianity that Jesus died for. Jesus didn't cleanse you for you just to get dirty again. Have you ever just thought that out loud? Because the whole grace concept that now it's okay to sin just completely rattles me. That Jesus himself would die on a cross to cleanse us from sin so now we can sin and it be okay. Makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. Okay. Preach, Pastor. (laughs) Thank you. So remove every trace of living of compromise and sin that you might become new and pure again. For indeed, you are what? Come on. What are you? Come on, what are you? You're clean because of Christ, our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed for us. Is this a legalistic message to go home and try and clean yourself up? Forget it. Forget it. This is about coming back to the basics of what Jesus has already done for you. This is about remaining in a state that Jesus has purchased for you. If you're struggling with sin, if you're struggling with compromise, this is not for you to go home and beat yourself up. If that was gonna work, it would've worked about three years ago. Would've worked for me about three years ago. This is about understanding the gospel that what Jesus has done, has, he has cleansed us. 
The blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness. So my job is not to clean myself up. My job is to stay salty. My job is to take God for who He is. My job, my responsibility is to keep my heart before the Lord. And not a portion of my heart, my whole heart before the Lord. And allow the Holy Spirit to speak to me, to read my Bible and actually believe that God is true. And what I read about is truth, even when it's hard for me to swallow. Why? Because I want to stay salty. I do not want to read the Scripture and compromise on it and wonder why it's having no effect in my life. Do you know how many Christians are upset and angry with the Lord because they think the Lord didn't come through? Do you know how many times God's been blamed for just our lack of wholeheartedness? That went down like a lead balloon. It's about remaining salty. It's about when disappointments and discouragements come and things we don't even understand, just letting that go and believing the truth of what God says. I can't afford to get into unbelief. I can't afford to get double-minded and begin to doubt the Lord. What is that doing? It's making me not salty. Now all of a sudden I was passionate and had a conviction about souls getting saved and then someone in my family hasn't been saved yet and all of a sudden I'm no longer on fire like I used to be. Or maybe I read in the Scriptures that I should honor the Lord with my finances and I gave and then I ended up losing my job. Or my finances actually went downhill and the pastor said, if you give, you gotta get blessed. I didn't say that, by the way. For a reason, because it's wrong motive. Of course, there's blessing from the Lord, but it's wrong motive to give to get something back. You give because you love them. All right? But maybe I had that understanding, and all of a sudden I gave, and then my finances would just went downhill, and I had a season, and then all of a sudden the washing machine broke, and I got a flat tire. Now all of a sudden I'm jaded on being generous because I tried being generous, and God didn't come through for me. Can you see all of a sudden that the salt has lost its saltiness? Come on, if I'm using my own personal story, I believe that God can heal. I see people get healed. I pray for my grandmother who has cancer. She dies. What do I do? Do I keep believing that God's our healer and remain salty? Or do you want, a, do you want an unsalty pastor that when you're sick just has no, no faith or grid to pray for you to get healed? Come on, don't, don't look at me and think, well, Corey, you can say what you're saying because you've been through nothing. You haven't walked in my shoes. We haven't walked in each other's shoes. You don't know what's going on behind closed doors. You don't, we, we don't know where everyone's at and what they're dealing with. But the truth is it doesn't change any of this. <laughs> That's why it's got to stay salty, amen? That's why we've got to stay salty. So Jesus cleansed us from all unrighteousness. We are clean because of what Jesus has done. Our only responsibility is to stay salty. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm staying salty. Turn to your other neighbor and say, I hope they got woos today. There's actually a Milo version of that as well, if anyone went to Scouts. Um, pretty sure it's like two teaspoons to a 10-liter bucket. And they call it Milo. <laughs> Team, can you come, please? And um, we're going to go after some stuff this morning.
I always, uh, <clears throat> I always have trouble trying to convey the passion and the conviction in my heart of what God's trying to say this morning. And I, and I hope it's come across in some kind of way. Because I can't just keep talking your ear off. I have to believe that the Holy Spirit's moving, convicting and touching hearts. And, and I'll just reaffirm to you this morning. Repentance is a beautiful thing. I mean, I could cry right now. The, the fact that I get to get up every morning and know that if I ask God for forgiveness, He'll forgive me. I get to get up every morning knowing maybe I missed it yesterday and knowing that His mercy is new every day. I get to get up and know that I can't do anything on my own strength. But if I just keep giving myself wholeheartedly to the Lord, I know He's gonna do a work in me. I know He's already working in me. I know He's the author and the finisher and He's gonna bring everything out of me that He said He would. And so pressure is off and surrender is on. Maybe we could stand this morning and maybe it's just me, but I think we could just surrender afresh this morning. Sorry, team, we'll just hold off slightly just or else I'll start praying to the beat of the drums. That'd probably be pretty cool. We'd call it like a rap or something. But come on, let's just close our eyes and fix our eyes on Jesus right now. Just let me pray over you for just two minutes. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. I thank you for your abundance of grace towards us. God, and I feel there is many in this room that the cry of their heart right now is, Lord, I want to be salt. I want to remain salty. I can even hear in this room right now that there is a deep cry in our heart to be the real deal, to live your gospel, to live as you've called us to live. I believe it's the desire and passion of every person's heart. Nobody wants to be woos. Nobody wants to have no effect. But I thank you, God, that you're coming right now. Holy Spirit, you are touching hearts and lives. Oh, stir up a passion. Stir up a conviction, a wholeheartedness. And right now in this room, and in everybody's own words, we are gonna give our whole heart to you. We're gonna give our whole selves to you. We renounce all others. We repent, Lord, for our understanding of balance, that we have given parts to you and parts to others. We are fully yours. We are fully yours, Lord. I pray for those people who have come from other towns and cities and nations today. That they're not here by accident. But today is a great reset. 
today is a great reset. There is something supernatural happening inside of you right now. (laughs) There is a shuffle going on. I see the Lord right now just beginning to place Himself at the top and shuffling everything underneath. And what He wants you to know this morning is that He cares about all the other cards, but He will be the King of our heart. He will be the King of our heart and He'll take care of all the rest. He'll take care of your physical well-being. He'll take care of your resource. He'll take care of your family. He'll take care of you. It says, cast your cares upon the Lord for He cares for you. And so, Lord, I just feel, I just want to repent this morning for trying to sort things out myself. For looking to other people and other sources when you are all I need. It doesn't mean you can't work through other people and other things. But you have to be at the top of my heart. You have to be in control. You have to be on the throne of my life. Holy Spirit, thank you, you're breathing. And I don't know if you can feel His presence right now, but He's here. And He cares about you so much. Come on, the Bible says He stands at your door and knocks. We think that's just about salvation. That's not. That's about giving your whole heart to Him. You can do that every day. The prayer I've been praying recently is, God, I just turn my heart and my affection fully towards you. I'm yours. Maybe you can just say to the Lord right now, I'm yours. Come on, I'm yours. Let's look at it like a a wedding celebration, a marriage celebration right now. And forsaking all others, I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. We are yours, your church, your people. We are yours. Give us the courage and the grace to take you at your word. (laughs) I can just see God with a huge smile on his face right now. And if you haven't seen his face in any other way, you need to look again. He's not mad or angry with you. Giving yourself to him brings him so much pleasure because all he wants is all of you. Bible says that He is a jealous lover, desiring more and more of us. Why don't you just give in to Him today? Why don't you just say yes to His pursuing of you? Just say, okay, God, you win. You have all of me. You have all of me.